Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus. I am your host. I'm joined by the four of us. It's the usual four. It's Gunnar uh, Hilsey in Trev, English Gunnar in Alex, and Capo uh, Dan, as in the ginger fella. Um, we're going to be looking back at uh, our classic win over the um, the Clash of the Villains, uh, our win up at uh, Villa Park, and we're going to look ahead to the Leicester game, which has come up at the weekend. I know it's Thursday night, we don't normally do it on the Thursday night, but uh, last night I was indisposed, so I couldn't be here, so we moved it on today. I hope you're well. Alex, how are you, mate? Not long till you're over. It's less than a week. Yeah, I'm very good. I'm counting the days until uh, Wednesday next week, where I'm going over for the Everton game, so... Really excited about that. I need you to change your name because it's set, set off that Amazon device. It thinks I'm talking to you. So just one second. <laughs> Dan, how are you? I'm good, although you call me the ginger fella. I was going to be nice to you tonight, but I probably won't do now. You're never nice to me, mate. You're never nice to me. So I had to go searching for you after the game and I just wanted to get in the car and get out of there. And you wanted to go into, in fairness, I wouldn't have blamed you. You wanted to go into, into Birmingham and, and party away, especially after your fame and fortune and you know like even you were you you, you were trending and everything weren't you so there was there was all sorts of stuff happening but we'll we'll talk about all that as 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 it happens trev how are you mate i'm all right thanks mate very good very good we 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 were just talking about it before the show weren't we about how happy we are and uh how smiley we should all be tonight i've I've just got one eye on on the Europa League results, thinking about where I might have to book a flight to tomorrow, mate. So um, it's exciting. We're back in the European competition again, and we're winning. We're clearing the league again, and it, it's it's a season of ups and downs, and we've got loads of ups and downs to come. It's exciting. It's exciting, boys. I'm loving every second. It is. It is a little bit, a little bit with uh, some sadness that we start tonight's podcast. You know, a guy who started in football in 1971, the year I was born in, a double-winning year for Arsenal, sadly passed away today. Motti, John Motson, uh, born in 1945, died sadly today, uh, age 77, 2023, uh, obviously. Um, 50 years with the BBC, then went on to, I think, do a bit of ITV and also talk sport for a little bit, but a bit with them when he retired, 200 England games, 29 FA Cup finals. Bear in mind how many have we been in, and we've won 14 of them. So he's he's um, he's he's commentated on loads of ours, 10 World Cups and um, uh, uh, um, 10 Euros. But, you know, the, the one outstanding stat on there is zero Spurs titles, which is, um, which is not unusual. Before we go into that, here's a little bit of him doing his stuff, uh, at White Hart Lane. Let me, oh, hang on one second. Just, let me, where's that gone? I've lost the bloody screen now. One second. There we go. One second. I'll bring it back up. So much technology here. How to confuse an Irishman. Oh, Brady won it beautifully. Look at that. Oh, no. Look at that. What a goal by Brady. Oh, a marvellous goal. Designed for the big occasion and taken with all the aplomb of a great player. He, um, I, I saw quoted today that uh, he sent a, um, a message or a telegram, I think it was, to Martin Tyler 
on his first day as a commenter, comment, a commentator. And he say he said, don't say, uh, he said, uh, speak little. Uh, oh, I've, I've forgotten. The, it, it was a great, I'll, I'll find the phrase. Trev, talk to us about that 1971, 5-0 at, uh, at White Out Lane and, and Motti's commentary more than anything else. Yeah, well, Motti's commentary wasn't just about that game, Fergus. He was just one of these commentators. He had the, he had a voice that made you want to listen. And he was such a knowledgeable man. He didn't speak. A lot of commentators nowadays speak for the sake of speaking, you know, and make statements for the sake of statements. But Motson didn't. Motson knew his football, knew his stuff, did his own work. And he was a pleasure to listen to. And the, the, the biggest... The, big, the biggest credit I can pay the man is that he was a football commentator because he was good at football commentating. That's it. And he made his name because he was good at doing that job. And it's a sad, sad loss, Fergus. That game in 1971, by the way, um, I was at that game. Lucky. Not, not 1971, 76. I was lucky lucky enough to be 78. 78. Um, 78. 78, sorry. Yeah. Um, Brady scored that wonder goal, but Alan Sunderland scored that trick, and Frank Stapleton got the other one. Wonderful night to be an Arsenal fan, but it's not about that now. God rest in peace, uh, Mr. Motson. Thank you for what you did, mate. And okay, he, he, he covered the majority of my life as a commentator because I was born in 71. But Alex and Dan, how he'll be over in Sweden, oh, sorry, in, in, in uh, Denmark, and even in the outskirts of Essex, you would have heard him, wouldn't you? It was always the um, the FA Cup commentator growing up for me. And I used to love looking forward to listening to him um, commentate on Arsenal games. And, you know, I remember at that point, there wasn't still much football on the BBC, but it was always the FA Cup. And um, that was at the time when the FA Cup was uh, a little bit more sort of prestige in most people's eyes than they see, sort of see it now. It was the, you know, the, the biggest cup competition as it, as it still should be. Alex? Yeah, I remember him too um, throughout my my childhood playing uh, playing FIFA. He was the voice of uh, of FIFA with Andy Gray. Um, so I've probably heard him commentating th thousands of games uh, throughout my childhood playing playing FIFA. So yeah, it's it's sad to to see him go, but what a legendary commentator he was. I'll try and find that quote at some point, but um, I'm I'm trying to look for it here, and I'm desperately trying. But it was literally such a sh short um, a short quote, but it, it was. Absolutely outstanding. I really, really, really uh, summed up the, the sort of man he is. But um, I'll tell you what summed up uh, what I, I, I've seen on, on Twitter as well. As one friend of the show, Ruth Beck, um, he's famous for a sheepskin skin coat. And Ruth done this nice little drawing, sheepskin coat with the angel wings going to heaven. It was uh, just a nice touch. Trevor, has that gone up in your, um, in your collection? Yeah. Well, as always, Ruth's now the isn't she? She's so clever what she does, our Ruth. Um, and she's just dug that idea up and perfect fits the fits the bill perfectly for Mr. Motson. He's not known. He's known for his for his for his and coats, isn't he? I love it. Thank you, Ruth. That's beautiful. Um, so uh, Saturday morning, we go back to uh, Villa Park. Um, it was my first trip to Villa Park, and I think yours as well, Dan. We we I picked up in the morning. It was a it was an early-ish start, not as early as Liverpool. Uh, I wasn't feeling the best, which. We know I ended up, but me ended up in the hospital on uh, uh, earlier in the week. Uh, but um, it was a trip to the Villa Park, and quite a quite an imposing stadium. Didn't you think it's you know it's got stained glass windows in there? It's got lots of 
modern and old features. What, what did you make of, of seeing Villa Park for the first time, Dan? Before we go on to that, I can't help but see uh, the news that people are, are, are putting in the uh, in the chat comments and what uh, Alex has just confirmed in the private chat as well about Saka. If, uh, if that is true, that Saka's a greeter, a new deal, that is fantastic news. Um, and uh, yeah, let's hope that Saliba follows suit. Oh, that that would be like that's like getting three points already early, isn't it? If yeah, I mean, it, it look, uh, looks like it's in place, but not not signed yet. But that should be very very close to being all done. Then, if usually when Ornstein t- tweets about it, it's close to getting done. Yeah, I read earlier that um, the the money's the, the money's sorted, the wages are sorted. It's just a few little add-ons around the edges that they're still talking about. But I don't want to count my chickens because. We're about to re-sign one of the best players in the world, aren't we? Yeah, it's not an overstatement, is it? We're about to keep one of the best players in the world. The best players in the world don't want to leave us now. They don't want to leave us. They want to stay because they can see what's happening. They can see what's coming. What a yeah. time to be an Arsenal player and a fan, eh? He's our uh, he's our star boy, and he's the present and the future. So, uh, yeah, great news if that's true. But yeah, um, Villa Park was, yeah, as you said, first sort of time I'd been there as well. I like the old-fashioned stadiums was sort of like the brick the brick walls. And for such a sort of old stadium, it felt still quite new and like a nice a nice ground. Um, quite a bit bigger than what I thought it would be as well. Um, we got up there early and had a little look around. And yeah, it's, uh, it's another one to tick off the list. Uh, Trev, you've been before? Yeah, I've been to Villa Park before. Yeah, it's a lovely, it's a proper old football stadium from the outside, isn't it? As Dan said, when you get in, it doesn't sort of hold the same impact on your inside as it does outside when you approach it. It's sort of been modernised, but had the old outer left on it, the outer skin left on. Yeah, I like going to Villa Park. I was gutted I missed it, but it had to be. But uh, I'm back this, I'm back this uh, Saturday, boys at Leicester. Please let me keep seeing us winning. By the way, Ferg, I'm going to die if I don't say it right. Big Terry, a friend of all of ours. Happy birthday, Chell. Happy 60th, you old bugger. You know, you're good, mate, and I hope you've had a great day, and I will see you on Saturday morning for a pint, mate. Sorry, yeah, Terry's always in the chat. Happy 60th, plus that 10% that you were talking about, the 10 years uh, VAT. So, yeah, happy 70th, really, uh, it must be then. Hope you're having a great day, mate. And um, Trevor's buying beers. Trevor's buying beers at the weekend, so make sure you get in there early. Ferg, your internet's going, mate. I can't hear you. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, funny that. Funny that. Um, so let's look at the lineups then. Uh, just let me get the lineups. Uh, the lineup uh, against um, Villa was Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel Zinchenko, Jorginho, Granit Xhaka, um, Odegaard, Saka, Trossard, and Inketier. Um, Inketier uh, starts. Uh, Martinelli is dropped for Trossard. Uh, Party is still out, so Jorginho starts. But on the bench, and it was good to see them warming up, uh, Nelson and Smith-Rowe. Because I was in the Doug Ellis upper and there was no beer and no bar and there was no point, uh, no atmosphere uh, in the bar area, everybody just piled out onto the upper tier and uh, we were singing songs and and watching. I I, I watched the warm-up, a full hour's warm-up and all the birthday messages and everything else for the first time in my life. It was actually really, really good. Uh, I still prefer getting pissed in the bar, if I'm honest, but uh, and, and singing a few songs. 
But um, it was good to see uh, Smithrow and and Nelson uh, on the bench. Alex, what did you make of the lineup? Were you pleased with the lineup? Would you have maybe dropped um, Eddie and started Martinelli along uh, alongside Trossard? I know it's all gone back behind beyond, but what, what what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, I think it was good for Martinelli to get a little rest. He's uh, had a difficult run of games. Um, hasn't really had as much of uh, end product as he had. Uh, previous to those, I think it was six or seven games without uh, goal and assist. Uh, so I think it was f- good from Art- uh, Arteta to give him a little rest uh, and take some weight off his shoulders. And and I think Trossard deserved uh, a start as well. Um, so I think it was good of him. And then, of course, White came back in uh, instead of Tom Yasu after the City game. And I think that's just a uh, rotation. I don't think... It's because of the mistake Tomiyasu had against City. I think he played well, Tomiyasu. Um, so I, I think it's just good that we're able to have such two good right backs um, that we can rotate them. Um, and then, yeah, I was happy to see Jorginho in again. I thought he had a really good game against uh, City. And I think we're lucky to have him when Partey's um, injured because, as we saw, he's a, he's a top player. He offers something different. Like, Dan, look, on the way up, we all felt like we're sitting in the car and we're saying it's a must-win game. We hadn't won in, like, uh, what was it, the City, Everton uh, and Brentford games. We hadn't won in three. It would have been four games in all competitions that we wouldn't have won. We've only drawn one point. For mentality reasons, we had to stop the rot. We had to go back into winning ways, continue to push on for the league challenge. We knew that City, we know what the result is afterwards, but we knew City at Forest. So we expected City to get three points in there and a hat full of goals against Forest. Would you have done anything different with that lineup? No, I think I think pretty spot on, to be honest. I think Tommy didn't have the best of games, and I think Ben White deserved to come back in. I think Trossard's been good and he has been pushing Martinelli. And I, I don't take the criticism that Martinelli's been that poor. I don't think he has been, to be honest. Um, there was comments from Agbon Lahore on talk rubbish let's call it um that he's been rubbish oh, right yeah well I was, I was gonna keep it clean but yeah as, yeah as as you said um that he's been rubbish for a month and I don't think he has been I think that's really really poor criticism of a player that has for me still looked lively I just think Trossard has impressed since he's been here and he deserves his chance um I wouldn't have gone to change Martinelli up top as a few people have said I think Eddie still is our center forward and I think Martinelli probably did well to have a rest and have someone maybe push him when he came on. Um, and he did make a big difference when he came on. So, near enough, I think everything Arteta did has been proved right. Trev, um, like, bar the, the the Martinelli versus Eddie selection, um, you know, you, you yourself had said, uh, not you didn't dig out him in any way, but you said that, you know, sometimes his goals and some of his performances were flattering to, to see with Eddie. Uh, were you pleased he started um, in that game? Well, firstly, credit to Danny. Dan called it perfectly last week, didn't he? He said that Martinelli should have a rest and that um, and that uh, Trossard should come in, and that's exactly what he did. I, I was, I, I thought that it should have been done the other way around. I thought he should have put Trossard in for for Eddie, but as we said, we trust Arteta, and that was the decision he made. And it turned out we won the game. So you can't argue with it. You can't argue with the decision that was made. I'm just, I was disappointed again that Eddie missed a couple of chances. But having said that, the other chances were missed. I mean, you know, Odegaard missed, missed what must be the chance of the season. So 
I'm not going to get on Eddie, on Eddie's back this week. Um, he played. We won the game. Trossard came in and done really well on the. I'm just going to expand on the Trossard thing because it's. I, I yeah, want to see what you think, Ferg. I, we, I think, was it Dan said last week that Martelli's been Martinelli has been not so effective this season because he's been running up and down that left on his own when Zinchenko plays because Zinchenko cuts inside and gives us the lead through midfield, which we love to see. But that leaves Martinelli on the left on his own. Well, I thought that Trossard suffered a bit the same, to be honest, in the first half. He was fighting alone calls up the left-hand side. Um, and I'm not knocking anyone for that because I like what Zinchenko does. But it does mean that, that we don't maybe offer offer quite as much of a threat on the left, although I think we scored one goal from that area of the field. But I do think that we lose a bit of threat with, with, with Zinchenko cutting inside, mate. Yeah, look, the game started at electric pace. Um, clearly, the, it did. It was a goal after five minutes, and it was an equaliser after sixteen minutes. But very unusual for a twelve thirty kickoff. The the crowd were up for it again. Dan, it, it, the whole feel of the game actually felt much later in the day. I I don't know if it was just me because I hadn't had a beer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think when you get an early goal in a game, it lifts the crowd. Whoever's you know scored the goal. So the fact there's an early early goal there. The occasion, I think the Villa crowd are normally up for most games anyway. Um, you know, Unai playing against his old club, lots to lots going on that I think got the crowd got the crowd going. Um, but I, I think I think we played well to be honest with you. The first half, I think um, we've had a bit yeah. of criticism of how we played, but I actually don't think we were as bad as people people were suggesting. We we talked about in the car on the way back. We'll we'll get into more detail uh, uh, about the overall first half versus the second half as well. But working our way through it, uh, Villa an early goal and came from a big push forward by the Arsenal. Zinchenko loses the ball. Uh, it drops back to Jorginho, who's still pushing forward uh, with that forward momentum, and he type of gets caught in limbo between trying to push forward and drop back and catching the man. Um, and Villa exploit um, the counter-attack and Ali Watkins 1-0. Jan, I'll come to you on this first because you, you sent me a little note. Uh, you felt that we, we, we suffered from a mistake. Do you want to expand a little bit more on that? Dan? Oh, sorry, mate. Right. Um, it was the bit you wrote to me. <laughs> that was. I thought, I thought you went to someone else then. It's, um, it's even in ginger on the script. I was I was reading the comments from our lovely viewers. That was the reason why. Um it's yeah, in ginger I, on the bloody script. <laughs> um, what was anyway, did yeah. you say me, Fergus? Right, as, as I was. <laughs> He's rattled now. I'm saying nothing. Trev, Dan points out and he says, um, mistakes again. We're getting punished every time we make mistakes. Zinni needs to move the ball quicker and Saliba should get tighter. Uh, or was Ramsdale's positioning wrong? What's your thoughts on, on Dan's observation on there? I think that uh, we are getting punished when we make a mistake, but I wouldn't put it down to anyone personally. I'm 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 not in that frame of mind where I'm looking to blame anyone for goals going in at the moment. We made a mistake. We got caught out. We gave a goal away. It happened. And uh, I don't want to start. All of those three players that were mentioned there went on to have brilliant games, didn't they? You know, like, I mean, Ramsdale, oh my God, you know. So I don't think it's fair for me to call them out for one mistake or say that because they more than redeemed themselves. Before we move on, Fergus, look, we've got two young lads. I met Dow the other night at the Arsenal, lovely lad, and he wants us to say hello to Oliver and Louis. So all the best, boys. And remember, up the Arsenal. Up the Arsenal. Yeah? Up the Arsenal. 
Yeah, the um, the reason yeah. I asked that, Trev, wasn't wasn't to pick out sort of any individual players that make mistakes, but whenever you concede no, a goal, no, there, is, there is an issue. There is an issue whenever we concede a goal, and it is it is normally someone's fault. And I don't think it's as you said, it's not fair to be digging out one player for a mistake. But there is always a scenario where we can do better, and. It does seem at the minute, though, that whenever we do make a mistake, it gets highlighted because they punish us and they score. Whereas, you know, in, in the first few games, we would make some mistakes, but they, they wouldn't score and we'd get away with it. Yeah. Alex, that, Alex, your comments on the on the Watkins goal then? Yeah, I think I think the boys are right. Like, there's, there's multiple mistakes there. Like, the Jorginho, you mentioned yourself, pushing up too far, leaving Watkins to Saliba, where he's on his own and um, but I think we have to acknowledge like it's a really good goal as well. He was like one-on-one -on -one with Saliba, who's a very good defender. He switches it on to his left foot, his weaker foot, and then like a very, very good finish as well. And the, the goal reminded me of the Henri goal uh, against in, Inter Milan in, in 2003, where he, he's on the counter and he slows down and gets it onto his left foot and, and scores um, in the 5-1 win uh, in the Champions League. So I think, yeah, like multiple mistakes, but like a very good goal as well. Has Fergus been teaching you English, Alex? I understood and knew exactly who he was talking about. Milan, that, isn't it? <laughs> Milan. <laughs> 16 minutes in, uh, after Eddie's had a shot of the goal, um, over the uh, a shot of goal, Tyron Mings clears the ball. I think it goes out for a corner. The ball ping-pongs around in the box area. And just at walking pace, standing on the edge of the box, in a very much a very striker-esque uh, role, uh, that man that we talked about earlier, Saka's there. And it's 1-1, 16 minutes in, and the, the Arsenal erupt. Um, Trev, what did you make of... Just Saka's positioning and, 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 and how he took it. And he, he took it like a proper striker. I'll tell you what, Ferg. Firstly, you mentioned the fans there. And it has to be said that you fans inside the ground, you were heard from start to finish. So proud of you Arsenal boys that were there. Moving on to the goal, that that was the best finish of the day by a country mile. He's hit it on the volley. Maybe. He's swung. He's turned. You what? What are you talking about, Ed? There was a bullet header in that game. It was quite a very, yeah. very good header, to be honest. There was another good finish. Yeah. It be better, than, better than a Richardson finish for Spurs. What are we talking about? You've lost me, you three. <laughs> Don't worry, carry, carry, carry on. Is my dementia getting in again, or am I just... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, it is. So, anyway, Saka's finish was brilliant. Same small World War II songs. Same small World War II songs. He'll come back. It's me and you are going to fall right out if you carry on. Anyway, what did I say? I can't remember now, see. Um, yeah, it, it was a brilliant finish from Saka. One we should all be proud of, but one we're going to see all the more from that from our best player, unless he gets booted up in the air one day and we don't see him again because he's been um, totally broken on a leg or something because he's getting no protection whatsoever from the referees and officials. But that's another point later on, isn't it? It, it is because, yeah, it was on front of us. Uh, I saw the amount of bandaging that um, you uh, that it was put on us, thought was unreal. He couldn't even get his boot on. Uh, but um, 31 minutes in, Kamara picks up a sloppy ball. Again, the mistakes that you're talking about, Dan, in the midfield. The position I was in, because again, 
very close to the front of the upper. It was a great position just to watch the football. Um, he picked up a sloppy ball, runs the length of the pitch uh, against the Arsenal and puts a cross in, which is dummied uh, by Watkins. Um, and then Coutinho scores. Um, and, uh, you know, it's 2-1 to, to, to Arsenal. What, what, what could you see from where you were, Dan, and what did you make of, of um, the Coutinho goal then? The, the first thing was, um, oh, that's a horrible picture. Get off the screen. It is. I don't, don't want to see him. Um, the first thing was Saka, again, he was out of position because he'd been kicked and he was down and he couldn't get back. And I think that is a common theme as well, is that a few of our fullbacks sometimes get isolated because Saka is, is always being kicked. And it is a big, big problem for us when we're trying to sort of defend the counter-attacks from sides like Villa. And I think that affected Ben White's positioning because he didn't know really whether to, to hold back and hold his position, to, whether, to get out wide and close the guy down. And in the end, he made a sort of step towards the, um, the winger to get out to him and the ball got played in behind him. And then that's where you know the space was for them to, to cross the ball back. But it was a good finish from them. I, I don't think there was um, probably not as many mistakes as the first goal. Um, but you, don't, you can see goals. And I think we, we bounced back yet again um, as we have done all season. Trev, is it acceptable to let a player like Kamara run that far through the midfield? He, he, he came from more or less the edge of his box where the ball was lost by the Arsenal. I think it was Ben White, Odegaard, that sort of corner. We lost the ball. And he takes the ball from there and runs almost to the corner of our 18-yard line and puts a ball through to two defenders. I think Ben White uh, might have been, I don't know who the centre half, it might have been Saliba went early. And then Gabriel had like almost two to cover, and Oli walked um, uh, Coutinho, um, you know, puts it away. Well, surely they, they've got to be better in the midfield. I'm looking slightly different, slightly differently, Fergus, in that, yeah, he shouldn't have been allowed to make that run that far. But it happens in every Premier League game. They find a bit of space because the midfield and the defenders all, all back off and back off. So it happens once or twice in every Premier League game. But what comes after that? It, it, 99 times out of 100, it don't lead to a goal. And you've got, sometimes you've, I think, you've just got to hold your hands up and say, bloody hell, that was a decent goal they scored there, you know? The, 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 who was the lad in the middle? He dummied and he took the defender the wrong way and then the finish was was a cracker for in my eyes. And I sat there thinking, well, yeah, we could have closed down a bit quicker, but we could pick four left, right and centre. But at the end of the day, it was a good goal. It was a good footballing goal. And that's it. Alex, I thought, and I, the conversation I had with Dan in the car, I thought we weren't great in that first half. I thought going in 2-1, I thought, okay, yeah, we got it. There's an awful lot of work to go into this second half. It's a big job for Mikel Arteta to have a very strong word. Light bulbs, brains, T-shirts, whatever it was he was going to get out, out of his magic bag this time, he was going to really have to pull one out. Because um, speaking to some people behind the scenes at Arsenal and stuff before the game, there is an element of this young side that there is an element of some nervousness among the squad members. They're young. They haven't been this far in a, in a, in a Premier League title run before. It's starting to become a little bit real. You know, what did you make of the first half and how much did you think they had to put into this second half? Yeah, I think I thought we were, we were lacking as well in, in, in some areas where we've been very good this season. Um, the the pressing, uh, our, like ruthless pressing, uh, where we score so many goals of catching uh, the teams high up their own pitch and creating chances of that. And I think we saw like with their second goal, there was no pressing. Uh, he was allowed to like run 
through the whole team, uh, Ben White, uh, as Dan pointed out, gambled uh, with his positioning and got caught on the wrong side. And then I don't know how, but like it went through Shaka's legs. Uh, I don't know how it happened. And then Coutinho was was totally free. But I thought like we we made too many individual uh, mistakes in the first half. And then especially like the pressing wasn't as good as it's been like in, in other games this season where we've dominated. And just like the way we do it throughout the 90 minutes um, in many games before, like we just switch off too many times. It was like a collective switch off uh, at Villa's second goal. And we like we can't do that for too many games this season. So, yeah, that's how I I looked at it the first half. So we needed to get rid of the like mistakes and then up our pressing. Dan, we came out in the second half. There was there seemed to be a bit more zip, a bit more focus, a bit more drive. The pressing seemed to be working more. I thought we looked an awful lot better. Uh, maybe because I was seeing an awful lot more of the football coming down in front of me uh, and the play happening right in front of us in the in the the away end, where it was in the op- complete opposite corner the last time. And you could see the amount of work and effort that Ben White and the connection between Ben White, Saka, Odegaard, they were like, well, they, they end up being the minstrels at the side of the pitch uh, uh, afterwards doing that. And you can understand, well, not them three, but that was Ben White, Saka and Odegaard for me in that game. Ben White was outstanding in the first half, I thought, bar the, the mistake you talked about. And Ben White and Odegaard just paired up fantastically. Did you think, could you see the improvement, Dan, in the second half? There was definitely an improvement in the second half, but I, I saw that from early in the first half. And when I watched the game back, I was sitting there thinking, no, was it just how I saw it on the on the day and watch it back and see what I thought? And generally, since since Eddie missed that chance on the 11th minute, we had stepped up the pitch by 10 yards. And yes, they caught us in transition, but that is that is what Unai Emery does. And that is what he always tried to do when he was with us as well, is that when we do or you know when the, his teams do counter they find the space and that is where they play the ball when they move as quick as they can and it always comes from his wide players so i'm not surprised that it came from from that what i would say is just because we were losing 2-1 at half time doesn't mean necessarily we were that bad and just because we scored a winner in the second half doesn't mean we were that great we was definitely better I, in the I, second I, half. I, I agree and and and, and as, as i said to you on saturday I didn't think we played that bad. I just thought we were we weren't as good as we could have been in that first yeah. half. And I thought in the second half, leading up onto ninety minutes, I'm thinking, yeah. Well, we'll go in, we'll go into that afterwards. But you know, I, I do agree with you. The scoreline doesn't necessarily uh, say the game you've had. Go back to Manchester City and on New Year's Day last year, um, and again we lost. Even got back to Manchester City midweek uh, last week, a game that we lost by two mistakes, really. But I thought we had a much better game than many talked about yeah and I think second half it was more that we we settled in a bit more and I think as you said the nerves seemed to calm down a little bit we started to play our football a bit more you know certain experienced guys got on the ball and just made the difference I think in that sort of game the the first half I think we was unlucky we could have quite easily gone in level or winning that game as well if we took our chances we did miss chances you know we missed quite a few in the second half as well um they were just very, very clinical, and I think that sort of skewed the view, I think, of a lot of people watching that game. Okay. Trev, 60 minutes in, Zinchenko from outside the area, and probably just a bit of experience and a bit of passion, and the guy just, he, he 
cut him in half. He's red and white. Scores a screamer from outside the area in 60 minutes, and it's 2-2. Um, what did you make of his performance and, and his goal? It's his first goal for Arsenal. And you could see the delight on his face. Yeah. He just wants to play for us, doesn't he? And it was, it was a lovely finish for the goal because it had to go low. It had to go in the corner. And, and and that's exactly what he did. Once again, he's scoring from inside right when he's playing left back. So it just goes to show what he offers us, Fergus. But I, I think that the, the first half, we we didn't really play so bad. We, 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 I don't think we were given as much space and time on the ball. It, they were doing a bit what Brentford and Everton had done to us, Aston Villa. But I thought that Villa dropped off us a bit second half. And... As, as, the, as the half wore on, we were finding more space and that allowed Zinchenko to get in that position. It allowed Odegaard to start dictating the game. The longer the game went on, the more Odegaard was dictating the game. So I was over the mood with Zinchenko scoring because it's only going to improve him as a player. Um, and he just needs to keep doing what he's doing. They all need to keep doing what they're doing. You know, the second half at Villa. And we're in with a right shout. We're in with a right shout. Oh my God, we are. Uh, Alex, shortly after Eddie came close with a shot over the bar, um, it was a great shot as well. And less than 10 minutes after that, Odegaard puts a sitter uh, wide. He's left flat on the pitch. Um, he's, you know, totally uh, flat on the pitch. And everybody in the stands was like, how the hell can he miss that? Myself and um, Dan were saying, I wonder how many people, and, and uh, Trev type of touched on it as well, I wonder how much flack Odegaard will get for making such a bad miss in comparison to Eddie making the equivalent bad miss 10 minutes beforehand. Yeah, um, like we created a lot more chances in the second half, um, especially because of Odegaard getting on the ball. And as you said, like it was a very nice pass. He put uh, Nketiah through and then he... He's, that was a big chance as well. Uh, not as big as the Odegaard one, but I get your point Like with Odegaard not getting as much stick as Eddie probably would have if he was to like miss such a big chance because I think fans are already a bit on the back of him because now it's been a couple of games where he hasn't scored and he's our striker, so yeah. Um, but Odegaard just does so many other things uh, other than scoring goals, so... I think maybe fans let him a bit more off because he offers so much more than scoring goals. Whereas with Eddie, they they want him to score goals because that's his main thing he offers to the to the team. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, so yeah. so does Eddie, Alex. You know that Odegaard chance. It was Eddie that won the ball by pressing high up the pitch and pull it on the plate for him. And that's true. You know he he does a lot of things unnoticed. Don't get me wrong. I think he absolutely deserves criticism at times because he needs to score more goals, and he should have had a goal in that game. But he's no more at fault for missing chances in that game than anyone else. And so much so that some of our fans, I say fans lightly, they flip flop in and out week in week out. And even some of them were yeah. criticizing Zinchenko, saying, "I saw that as well." You can't be criticising Zin Zinchenko. I'm not saying he hasn't made some mistakes like anyone else hasn't in that team, but do not criticise Zinchenko for what he's Especially in the first and, half, a lot of people was on, on his back, Zinchenko, um, wanting Tierney in and stuff like that. But yeah. just yeah, the yeah, second I, half. I, I, 
I read some people on Twitter going, oh, I'm sick of him and he's this, that and the other. Yeah. And then once he scores the goal, oh, he's brilliant. He's such an arsehole. Yeah. Just go, just go down there, Altair and 17. They are, they lead lots of idiots like you. you. Just go down there. Same <laughs> as those idiots in Stanley Park who were slagging off Jorginho. Jorginho has been an utter professional. Different style of player to Shaka, different style of player to party and everything else. But he's an utter professional. And I, I, I think he, for the money we paid for that guy, I think it's a, an absolute great signing. Um, 90 minutes on the clock. Uh, we're all thinking, well, that's it. We've gone with a point. We've rescued a point. Big psychological blow, I would have thought, for the team, Trev. If we had the game finished 1-1, you know, that would have been you know, five games without having, well, four games and getting two points out of uh, a, a possible 12. That that would have put the end to probably a title challenge psychologically, do you think, Trev? Oh, don't make me say it, no. I can't. No, I can't say it would have been the end of the title challenge, Fergus. It would have made it a hell of a lot more difficult, though, and it would have meant that Man United were probably only a point or two behind us. So I wouldn't have said it would have been the end, but uh, hope would have faded, let's put it that way. But I'm sorry, mate, my, my sound's playing up terrible. I know you can hear me, but I can't Can't hear you properly. But Jorginho, right? I, I, that, I was worried about Jorginho in his first game, first half of four. But then, you know, I gave myself a good slap around the face, really, because he's only played two games, Jorginho, and he, right? And, and I thought on Saturday against Villarreal, I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. I thought he, he just did the stuff that you don't notice people for. I think that Xhaka plays a bit deeper when Jorginho plays, right? I, I don't think we see so much of Xhaka bombing forward as we do when, when, when Party plays. But I think it worked perfectly with Jorginho. And that goal, I don't care how many times you tell me. We're coming on to that one in a minute. Don't tell me that it weren't Jorginho's goal. I know it weren't Jorginho's goal, but I'll always give it to him. What a strike. Listen, nine, 90 minutes in, six minutes go up on the board. And we thought, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, it, maybe that type of challenge is staying alive. That is that is the best credit to whoever it was. I think uh, it, I think it's Ruben or Truben or something like that on Twitter oh. putting that together. It's absolutely brilliant. Like Mikel oh. had lost his temper with the referee who pulled back uh, the Arsenal uh, from a free kick, and he sar sarcastically replicates the ball was rolling, but the ball was halfway across the pitch and and probably. Ha Twenty-five percent way down the pitch from where the ball went, he could have easily pulled it back. The referee made me look like an, uh, like like I was at the same gym that Dan goes to. Honestly, how that guy is fit to referee, I do not know. He he was well well overweight, but it I was. I think that's a huge exaggeration, there, Fergus. That you would. Uh, I don't think it was only a bit. Only a bit. <laughs> Uh, okay, okay, maybe maybe a little bit, but he he was definitely overweight to do that game. We went into the last um um the last six minutes. The pressure looked like it was showing with with Arteta in that, but um you know Duran bombs down the right 
Uh, he's got Bailey in the middle and he shapes a curl into the top left-hand side. And Ramsdale makes just an absolutely amazing save. Uh, Trev, talk us through what you're thinking there, because I stood with my jaw dropped hearing it bounce off the underside of the bar. Um, no, that was later on, actually. Uh, but no, that save. Um, it was that. Wasn't that the time where it bounced on the underside of the bar as well? There was like two situations. I think that one, that was in the like 83rd minute. And then there was a later one uh, where mm. Duran had, had a shot. Uh, yeah, that was in the 90th minute, I think so. Nine, yeah, 90, 92nd, 93rd minute. Yeah. And I thought, oh, Christ, that, that's it. Trev, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, that's it, it's done? Did you boys in the ground think that he'd made the save or did you think he'd just hit the bar? I thought it hit the bar. Uh, watching on telly, I... I and the commentator said, Ramsdale saved that. And I thought, no, because it was it's so hard, you know. I thought, no way has Ramsdale got to that. And when they replayed it, he did. Fantastic save. Just the reactions to move, to get in the way of that ball moving that quickly. Amazing. And, and you know, put, the, put them three points on Saturday down to Ramsdale if you have to. Put it down to any of the players. But, by God, that boy kept us in that game on Saturday. Fantastic save. That leads to the ball breaks down to Jorginho. He takes a thunderous shot, and that's a really easy word for an Irishman to say, uh, from outside the box, uh, beats the keeper, only to hit the bar. So we've hit the bar at one end. Ramsdale makes a save. Hit the ball down, down the other end and hit the bar. And it bounces back. And, you know, once an Arsenal player, always an Arsenal player. Heinz Martinez, or whatever you want to call him, um, <laughs> Emilio Martinez, uh, pops the ball on the back of the net. How funny was that? It was absolutely hilarious. The the, the Doug Ellis lower, I am just so, because I was not feeling well, I was just so glad I was not in there, Dan, because that was the biggest mosh pit ever. The police at the front, there's a little walkway at the front, the police at the front were absolutely shitting themselves because the Arsenal just came down like that. How those advertising hoardings didn't go, I don't know. I looked down and I went, oh, Jesus Behind me, it was going nuts. There's some guy who's grabbed me. I don't know him. And he's just gone clump and smacked me in the back of the head and everything else. Maybe he knew you. Maybe you sent him, Trev. But he's gone, ah, like this. And I'm going, oh, leave me, please, mate. I'm not feeling well. But it was just like unreal. I had a six foot seven guy beside me. And he went to pick me up. And I went, no, 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 no. But it was unreal, Dan. Talk, to us, talk us through what you saw, what it was like down there. Uh, and yeah. There was, um, there was a video that someone took opposite the Arsenal fans and um, you can just see us all celebrating when the goal went in. And if you look close enough, I can see me going down the stairs straight away. And all I remember is getting in the middle of it. And I remember trying to get out thinking I've lost both my shoes and I can't find them. And um, <laughs> then when I come out of it, I'd like kept hold of my shoes and I found blood on my hands. And I don't know where it came from. Um, but yeah, I just the, there was the stewards just literally pushing us back in because I think everyone was just going to pile on. Um, but ah, what, what else can you do with a, a last-minute winner that great? Um, I'll tell you what is nice, though, is something that I thought was lost in the game. It was so good to see such a high-quality diving header in a football match that we haven't seen for a long, long time. W what a diving header. Look at that. What the technique from the keeper okay. there. That's yeah. unbelievable. How he do not take his eyes off the ball either, does he? Look at it. Brilliant Man, technique. Look brilliant look technique. And, um, you know what was even better on that is that... Um, we was all singing Oh, Emmy Martinez and um, I posted it online and tagged Emmy Martinez on it. And then when you look through who's viewed it, I can just see this blue tick with Emmy that's viewed it. 
So not only has he heard it in the grounds, he's gone home and he's wanted to hear it again. So he's definitely a gooner. I, I read uh, online, Ferg. I read online, mate. I don't know if it's true that Martinez wasted nine minutes in the first half. He did nine minutes. Nine and a half minutes. Hence the name of the title, not nine and a half weeks, as that old uh, 1990s film. <laughs> yeah, nine, yeah, nine and a half minutes. Good candidate for goal of the month. Uh, that Man. is. Uh, you know what? You know what, uh, Kai? You're very true. When those goal of the months come up on Match of the Day or whatever, we've got to, we've got to, as the Arsenal Twitter sphere, as good as it can be, we've got to be contacting Match of the Day now and just saying that's got to be nominated at least for goal of the month. And what's the Arsenal get behind that? That would be absolutely hilarious. Uh, yeah. Alex, what did you make of it? I've, I've lost where I am on here. So give me, go on, you have a, you have a chat. Yeah, like like BX Gunner said in the chat, it was like a good old backyard scrap. It was back and forth, uh, Villa on the counter, and us trying to break through their 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 defense. And then it was just like I, I was in in my apartment all alone, so I just ran through the apartment like I went crazy. Um, wish I was was uh, at at the stadium um, and went crazy like Dan did, but. Yeah, that was just a relief. Like uh, it, it meant so much that we got the three points and turned it around, um, so we can keep our title charge uh, going. And and then later when we saw City drop points, it just yeah, what a day that was. <laughs> um, so it was quite ironic, as as Trev alluded to. Nine and a half minutes is what he he uh, added on with uh, um, doing all his bits and pieces. Um, on um, delaying kickouts and delaying this, that, and the other, um, and then all of a sudden there are three three goals down, and it takes them literally about three seconds to release the ball down the other end. It goes down the end, other end. There's a bit of like tennis football in in the box, and it goes out for a corner. And we think, oh Christ, this is all we need, a corner now. Could you imagine if they get one back in? And is it is it Dingy? Or D- How do you pronounce his name? They're oh. they're they're. Uh, D I G N E. They're they're His delivery is <laughs> appalling. Um, Arsenal are clear on on the um, on the counter. I think it's Vieira keeps his cool absolutely fantastically and releases Martinelli. Um, and Martinelli puts the ball in the back of the net. But before he puts it in the back of the net, there's got to be a statue, hasn't there? Um, it's almost like it's. I tell you what. It's almost like that fella behind there, <laughs> behind me. Um, Agbon Lahore, bitter and twisted as he was, has actually come out and talked shite and said that it was it was poor form for him and it was disrespectful for him to celebrate like this with his arms out as he kicked the ball from the D into the back of their net. But you know what? He hadn't scored the goal at that point. He'd look awfully stupid if he kicked it wide or kicked it over or whatever. So, you know, I think big cojones... Uh, to celebrate like that, but why can't he? You know, Trev? Well, exactly why can't he? And Agbon Lahore's just jealous because he was never good enough to to lace Martinez's, Martinelli's boots. So, good on you, Martinelli. You keep celebrating the goals, my son. Um, I, I, we don't take a lot of notice of what get people like Agbon Lahore say. They they don't like Arsenal when they find try and pick fault, even when there isn't fault. There was nothing wrong with what Martinelli did. He's a young lad. He's raced to the length of the pitch and he's going to put the ball in the net to, to seal the game in the last minute. And he's not going to celebrate. Come on, give us a break. 
course he's going to celebrate. He's going to stick his hands out. Then he's going to run to the crowd. Then he's going to watch Dan's shoes come flying off. You know, he's, he's going to celebrate. And and good on him. There was nothing wrong wrong with what he did. Um, unlucky Mr. Agbon Lahore. And by the way, unlucky Mr. Martinez because you didn't get very much of a good view of it because you were still down the other end. I, I, Fergus, was, he, was he still I celebrating? <laughs> Fergus, I, I don't know if you boys saw it, right? After the game, they interviewed Unai Emery and Emery was fuming with him. He, he slaughtered him. Ever. Did not hold back. It was wonderful. No, he didn't. He didn't hold we heard it in the car on the way down, on the way back, and also I watched it on Match of the Day, and I think on Sky, he, he said it in three or four different ways. I didn't ask him to go up, and he will know not to go up again. Yes. And I believe now, if rumours are correct, he's on the transfer list. So he could be leaving <laughs> uh, in the summer. It wouldn't show. surprise me. It wouldn't. That's been in my mind. I don't think he's Emery's type of goalkeeper, you know. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, folks. Well, he'll have, enough, he'll have enough experience with him because he was at Arsenal as well with him before. So, yeah. But what, what what was quite apparent as well though, that they the media that were gathering around the the, the fracas that was in the away end because it was just like everywhere. The whole upper end were going, Jorginho, you're just a shit, Aaron Ramsdale. It was all the songs. Jorginho got a really good song. And then we're back top of the league. Um, and um, there was the Mikel Arteta one. And there's loads of, loads of photos on, on the Arsenal website. You can get them printed. Um, you can get them onto mugs. You can get them onto plaques. You can even get them on a jigsaw. And there's one that uh, we thought that, you know, maybe we could get a jigsaw. 50 quid for a jigsaw for a ginger fella. With a flag. Dan, you're famous. 50 quid for the photo, but 60 quid if you want me to sign it for you. So just let me oh, know and um, yeah, bring them oh, to me and we Dan. can arrange it. Not a problem. I'm getting two, Dan. Oh. I'm getting two, son. You sign mine twice. Hey, if I, um... he'll, 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 be, he'll be bringing around block five, block six on, on Wednesday night. Anybody want a copy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just bring them around. Just bring them around. I'll sign them. Paying cash, please, because um, you know we don't want to notify anyone of, uh, of extra income. But yeah, let me know. Oh, there's the accountant giving good tax evasion rules. <laughs> um, a couple of things we got in the the Gunnar debate that I want to talk before we go into the Leicester game. Um, we touched on here as well about time wasting. Martinez, uh, yet another keeper, used up nine and a half minutes. Uh, restarts of the game. We had it with with um, uh, Pickford. We've had it with uh, Newcastle keeper. We've had it, we've had it with keeper after keeper. And Arsenal aren't the only team that come on, on uh, under that scrutiny. Uh, you look how the World Cup worked and when the ball and how rugby works and some other sports work, when the ball's not in play, the clock stops. Is it time now, uh, I'll, Trev, I'll ask you, is it, is it time now to consider stopping the clock when the ball is not in play and maybe shorten the halves to 40 minutes or 35 minutes? I think I, I found it with rugby, Fergie, it'd be much worse with football, mate. If, if you stop the clock every time the ball was out of play or there was an injury in football... It would be a four-hour game. It'd be like American football. It'd be a four or five-hour game. I can't see how that can happen. But what can happen, in my view, is that they can book these goalkeepers or the time wasters. But I'm referring to goalkeepers because that's what we're talking about. Much earlier in the game. I mean, before Martinez got booked, he'd been time wasting for the previous half an hour in the game. Book them earlier. Show them the card earlier in the game and show them you're not going to stand for it. And that'll stop them. Because they're not going to risk getting sent off. Who else? Got, was it Nick Pope got booked for time-wasting as well, was it, boys, wasn't it? But that wasn't until late in the game and they'd been doing it all game. 
Edison did it as well in the City game. Exactly. Use the Nick Nick Pope got sent off for handling the ball in the Liverpool game, didn't he? (laughs) Yeah, he did. But no, we're not talking about that, are we, folks? We're talking about time wasting. And we can stop it, right? We can (laughs) stop it. Put that comment back up. Put that comment back up. Take it down. Uh, I've got a cold. Kevin, you're killing me. He's got to have one of those uh, photos down to keep the kids away from the fire, uh, the grandkids away from the fire. Well done, mate. Well done. Love it. <laughs> I've never liked the people that watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like you very much either. Uh, so what do you guys think? Do you book the keeper? But they never give him a second yellow. Most of the time, they, um, they book him in the 85th minute, which is what they did with... Um, Pickford, uh, I think it was only against City that um, there was an early booking, but you kn- he's never going to get a second one. Alex, Dan, what, 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 what do we do on there? Yeah, I think they're just going to like book him, stick to the rules, because I think right now the second uh, six-second rule is the most pointless rule in the game right now, because I was counting most of the time when Martinez had the ball. Um, and he was like taking 20 seconds. So if he's taking more than six seconds, just book him. Um, and yeah, just like the six second ruthless. rule is only related to a goal kick. If he, uh, sorry, a, a kick. If, if he has the his hands. Yeah. His if hand. he's got the ball in his hands. Yeah. Um, but like, they never like, they never book people for, for having the ball for more than six seconds. So it's kind of po- pointless rule, but yeah, I, I agree with, uh, with Trev, like, I think it 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 would be too many stop uh, stops in the game. Um, so I'd rather just have the ref apply the rules and and book book the players because it's Dan, it's so it's clear sometimes when they time waste. Dan games in the World Cup were working at probably about uh, ninety five to hundred minutes. Um, uh, in t- no, what was it? They were working at about five to maximum 10 minutes added on for balls going out of play. So it ended up being, rather than being a 90-minute game, a 100-minute game um, uh, in the World Cup. Didn't see any problems with it, did you? No, I don't don't mind that. I don't mind if it gets added on. I don't mind if they stop the clock. But also the key thing that I would like them to do is just stick to the rules and get the ball back in play because it's not just the time-wasting that affects us. It's the slowing of momentum as well. And you can stop the clock all you like, but if every time we go forward and build momentum and they stop the game, that also affects us. So they, there is an onus on the referee to keep the ball and keep the football game flowing and moving. So I don't think it's just a timekeeping issue. What, they need to keep the ball, like, moving? Is that what you mean? So well rehearsed. We planned that. <laughs> I just, I just sit there and it was all lined up, and I thought that works out. That perfectly. was very good. And, and, and another topic I want to talk about is, is um, uh, oh, <laughs> then. Ah! don't do. I got, I, I got the funny cold. That got you, Trev. Uh, the other one oh. that we talked about, we did talk about it about the game. <laughs> Go on, Trev. Arteta, Arteta, please don't stop. Please don't <laughs> stop being Mikel Arteta. Don't change for anybody. We love you to bits, man. We know you're you quickly become going to become a god at the Arsenal because you're going to lead us to glory. Just don't stop being what you are because it's absolutely brilliant. I, I can't stop, mate. I'm ready. 
Um, the other thing that we want to talk about, uh, uh, and probably the, the probably last topic, is uh, Saka's treatment. Um, he's clearly, clearly, clearly highly talented. Yes, he's an Arsenal player, and we have got a bit of bias on him. But we watch him week in, week out, and we watch him as a player. People right up and down the country watch him as an England player, and people right around the world look at this guy. He's one of the world's best prospects out there. He's probably one of the best players in that position playing in world football right now. And he's getting this seven bells of kicked out of him and surely it you know i'm not asking for personal protection for saka but surely there's got to be a responsibility on the referee and the football associations around the world uefa fifa whatever to protect players just because they're better than everybody else and the only way that anybody can deal with them is kick the shit out of them is the only way to stop them surely you're going to do something dan what what do you see as a solution quite interesting actually i think a lot of people in the game have started to notice it as well. And it has been been written about a bit more in the papers and, and by certain journalists that they are starting to take note. But we've seen this so many times before where great prospects at our club have been kicked and it's ended up and then breaking their legs and then it's ruined their career. And, you know, players like Abu Diaby and you just don't want to see it again. Like if, 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 they, if they want good, young, homegrown players to come through, You've got to find a way of stopping it. And also, if if we want to be the best league in the world with the best quality football, we don't want that to happen. And it is down to the ref on the day of the game. That that you know, there are various issues with referees at the minute that are not competent enough to to be Premier League referees. But there has to be more awareness, not just the soccer, and this goes for any, you know, quality player that, that's in the league at the minute. Alex, um, you know, is it right? that the only way to deal with a player like that is the kick the, kick the crap out of him. Like Moreno on the 38th minute, I think Dan mentioned it much earlier on when we were talking about the first goal, had kicked seven bells out of him and it went to VAR. VAR looked at it and didn't give, didn't think it was a red card. But you can clearly see, not long afterwards, he's getting so much bandaging, but not his ankle is unreal. I think he didn't. He didn't even give a, a free kick. Uh, the referee for the Moreno challenge, where he stuttered him uh, in the back of the foot. But I mean, yeah, like Dan said, we've seen it with many players, and not only Arsenal players. We see it like with especially technically good players who uh, like to take on their man's a lot. Like Neymar, he's like how many times has he like str- uh, sprained his ankle, and he did it. He did. Uh, last weekend as well um, and we see it with Vinicius and uh, Real Madrid as well and and Saka at our club we see it all over the the world with the like with the best players the best dribbling players they they just need some sort of extra protection because um, the the game plan is often to just kick him out of the game um, it's I don't know how you do it because you want all rules to be like applied to all, you don't want special rules for some players. So I don't know how you do it specifically, but you need some sort of protection to those players like Saka and Neymar and Vinicius to make sure they don't like get kicked out of the game every game and and uh, and get seriously hurt. Now, Trev, I'm, I'm finishing up on, on, on this one. Like Saka plays a lot of football. He's got the longest consecutive run of football for Arsenal so far, 65 games consecutively for Arsenal. He's played a lot for England in all the tournaments. He hasn't stopped playing for since he's about 18, since he made the first team when you saw him out there with the Europa League out in, in now war-torn um, 
Ukraine. He's more or less played every game since then. And, you know, I always worry about the number of games he gets to play and the lack of rest he gets. But players of that talent, including Saka, something needs to be done, don't you think, Trev? Yeah, it does. And, and it, I think it sort of moved up a gear last weekend, Fergus, when when we all watched Saka getting hoofed about the park again. But it, I think, as, as Dan just said, it's now being noticed by journalists. It's not just Arsenal fans complaining about an Arsenal player. I watch. Um, I, I, I often don't have a lot of time for journalists. They rub me up the wrong way. But credit where it's due, I was watching Sky, I think it was Sunday morning, and uh, Darren Lewis, who's the football correspondent for The Mirror, he talks sense the man. He really is a good listen and he, he, he knows what he's saying. And uh, he was talking about it. And, and when you get um, journalists of that calibre noticing that a single player is getting, is getting singled out for, for this kind of, uh, for this kind of treatment, then you think, well, surely someone's going to take notice now because it's gone outside the fan base. It's gone outside the Arsenal fan base. It's now being noticed by the wider, wider people. Um, so if you get a chance to listen to Darren Lewis, give him a listen. He's very clever. And, and, and what he said about Saka was right. He needs protection because he's going to get broken. He's going to get broken quickly. He's going to be retired before he's 30 if he keeps getting the treatment he's getting. And it has to be said, whether I look through blinkered vision, you boys will pull me up, whether I look through blinkered vision or not, there are other, other high-profile players in the Premier League that are diving left, right and centre and getting free kicks every time. Getting free kicks every time and they're already being touched. Whereas Saka is actually getting booted all around the park and he's not getting looked after. And when the poor lad jumps up once and reacts, he gets pulled up by the referee, you know. So something's got to be done and hopefully they'll take notice now, mate. Hopefully they will because it's a serious thing. We'll lose Saka to injury before he's 30 if, if he carries on like this. Excellent. Before we leave um, the Villa game, I just want to play a little bit of video footage that Dan popped through to us, uh, which is just our appreciation of... Um, of uh, Heinz Martinez. Emmy Martinez has scored um, more goals for Arsenal than Jorginho has scored for Spurs. £60 million pounds on a striker. Well done, Spurs. Not Georgino Richarlison. 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 <laughs> you know why? It's because I'm looking at what I'm going to talk about in a second. Richarlison, sorry. Yeah. I was so, just about you. to praise you because you said Emmy Martinez. I was thinking he's, he's, he's getting better. He's pronouncing it right. And then you go and do that. Yeah. Leicester away. Three o'clock, King Power Stadium. Sadly, I'm not going to make it this weekend. Trev, we've fin finally got your ticket at last. And Dan, you're going up there and you're going to meet Terry. Trev's buying all the beers, he's buying champagne, he's buying everything because it's Terry's 60th. He's even buying a meal, hello. apparently, as well. Hello, hello, um, hello. <laughs> he said his, his audio was hello. playing him up. <laughs> My sound's going to call me anything. Um, Dan, did we rotate the lineup? You mentioned here about Jorginho, um, a different player to party. Would party be available? Um, the Who's talk have been available. You know, which player would you play? You talked about the differences between two. Wow, good question. Partey still starts if he's fully fit. I think he's still our number one central midfielder in that team and he's so, so key. But you're right, there, there are some big, big differences between them and I, I don't think it's... It's not easy to compare them and say one is better than the other. I think they've both got very, very different strengths. 
Partey is very, very good at breaking up play. He's very athletic. He gets around the pitch quite well. That's not Jorginho's strength. But I think when you're in control of a game and you've got the pitch and the game in front of you, Jorginho is probably a better player on the ball at times than Thomas Partey. So it's quite good to have two different options. I do think, though, from the start that Thomas Partey is still the number one big boss in that midfield and he comes straight back in if he's fully fit. Um, I think the back five stays the same. And I think the rest of the team stays the same other than, for me, Martinelli comes back in for Trossard. Dan, uh, um, Alex, your your thoughts on what you would do? Yeah, but I, I very much agree. Like, I think Partey is he's so important for, for our midfield because, um, I mean, Shaka, he, he's not the quickest player in, in, in midfield too. So we need that that Partey with, with the athleticism and, and the speed and... And the presence in there uh, from from the beginning, and then hopefully, if we have control of the game, we can we can put Jorginho in, um, and like with his line breaking balls, he did it so many times in the second half uh, in the Villa game. Um, he put both uh, Nketi and and Saka through with some great passes, so we can put him in. And then, yeah, I agree. I'd like to see Martinelli start again. I think, I think. Uh, it's deserved after his rest um, that he, he gets back into the to the lineup. Trev, would you change much much? And who do you see your key threats um, against uh, from Leicester? You know the form is very similar uh, of recent. We've won two each. We've lost two each. We've drawn one. I think Arsenal cleared the table points out where we're the better side. Uh, but you know they have got better of recent. Is that because Madison's come back? That was about 17 questions in one there, Ferg. That was a Fergie boy special, that was. It was. Firstly, I, I'm I'm of the mind that, going through them one by one, right, I'm of the mind that Jorginho's played two games and he's looking good. And as he gets used to where he is, he's only going to get better. So will we soon be at a stage where, we can, where we've got the opportunity, Xhaka, Party and Jorginho, we can play any two from three and it's not going to see us get much weaker. If we soon get to that stage, that will give us peace of mind in that area, won't it? As for coming back from injury, I love to see Party back from injury, but I, I honestly think that the return of Jesus is more important at the moment. I honestly do think that we need Jesus up top in the middle. And um, as for Leicester, mate, who plays for Leicester? I don't know. Has Schmeichel left? I don't, I don't, I don't know, and I don't care. You, you, know? you got, you got, you got Tillemans, you got Madison, you got Barnes. I, yeah. I'm reading on a WhatsApp chat or uh, chat on on this other screen. Somebody's made a comment. It's actually Hoggy. Uh, you'll know him. Hoggy's made a comment. He says, "I, I really rate Madison. By the way, much better than Odegaard." Yeah. Well, look, Ferg. If, I, I don't know if you boys watched the game against Manchester United, but Leicester should have been two 0 up. They really looked the part to start the game. They really looked the part. And then Manchester United wore them down and they're in form. But we're a better side than Man United. We know that. So hopefully we can do the same. Um, Madison is a class act, isn't he? He's scoring his control on the ball. There's been talk about the Arsenal going in for Tielemans for a long time, hasn't there? But I'll, quite honestly, I'd probably rather see Madison in our side than Tielemans. So they will offer a threat. You know, they're, 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 they've got more of a shout to being a big club than some other clubs that try and call themselves big clubs of Leicester. You know, they've, they've won the league, they've challenged, they're no false. They had a bad start to the season, but they're now coming good. So we've got to respect them. But as we've shown, and, and the Villa game was a prime example, right, Ferg? If first half Arsenal turn up 
at Leicester, then Leicester have got a shout, right? If second half Arsenal turn up at Leicester from the Villa game, Leicester won't get a look in. Leicester won't get a look in. We're that good on our day, aren't we? So, yeah, I'm, I'll nearly go a prediction then, but I'm not going to, Ferg, my son. I'm not going to. That yet. is my next question. My next question is your score prediction. Who, me? Yeah. I'm going to go, right, I'm going to go 2-0 to the Arsenal. Alex? Uh, I'm saying 3-1. I think they'll get a goal, but I think we'll win uh, quite comfortably. Dan? Yeah, I was going to go three-one as well. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I think they're they're a good side that's coming back into form, and I think they're a very good side in transition. Um, Ian Nacho's coming into a bit more form as well. Madison is a great player. I agree with most of um, what Hoggy said, but not better early guard. But um, Harvey Barnes as well was great, and then they've been a bit more. I don't know. They, was it Mendy and Drewsbury Hall? I think it is. They dropped into the the, the two behind them, and they've been a, a bit more solid. Um, other than for, they, considering the three against United, I think they've they've they did a, well versus versus that lot. Was it four yeah. one they won against Tottenham? One, yeah, yeah. Which are not a great side at the minute, to be honest. If we're if we're really honest with ourselves, you know. So, um, I I, I think we'll concede a goal. Uh, I also think we'll probably score three. But to be just a little bit different, I'm going to go for a repeat score of the weekend. I'm going to go four two Arsenal. Oh wow. Hopefully not as nervy. <laughs> so Trevor, I'll, I'll, yeah, hopefully, hopefully not four two. You know, if we're if we're like three two up and they get uh, three one up and they get one back and then we just finish it off at at four two, that'd be nice. Nice celebrations, watching that whole corner just go absolutely nuts. Yeah. Uh, last time I was in there, I had a smoke bomb land in my head and and then I kicked it further down and some girl just stood there and all our all our um what are they called converse. They've now got a permanent red mark up her up her converse and her on her legs. So that, yeah. Um, Trevor, you've got a lot of planning, and Dan, you've got a lot of planning because you're going to the first round uh of the Europa League. Um yeah. well done, uh BX Gunnar 81. We're just you're doing Europa League. Um uh that's on the 9th of March. I can't make that one. Um, so the the draw comes out tomorrow. We can't have United. Um, uh, in that draw because it's the same um, same country. Um, and then there's other things about same city. So there could be some fixture clashes if we have um, West Ham playing and drawn at the same time as us uh, in the Euro uh, Europa Conference League. Um, looking forward to the, the trip then uh, and planning, Trev? Oh, absolutely. It's been a long... We've had a long wait for it, haven't we? It's been a long break to European football. Absolutely looking forward to it. I should be booking flights as soon as that draw is made tomorrow. I'm just looking now, Ferg, actually. Non Juventus are through. Sport with Lisbon are through. And Sevilla are through. So, Eindhoven, Midtjylland and Nantes are out. So, it, it, it's, it's getting narrower who we can play. I, I, I just hope we go to a place I've not been before, being quite selfish. I, I fancy a trip somewhere I've not been, been before. Union Berlin would be a nice draw for me. I'd like to go to... Union Berlin will would be good and, and as well as the sun isn't too strong as well because if Dan's going he wouldn't want, really want to go to Seville you know that really strong oh, sun with his complexion Dan where are you hoping for he's relentless Dan I'll never talk to you like that son ever he's relentless could you translate it I didn't really understand it to be sure to be sure <laughs> <laughs> 
Where would you where would you like to go, Danny? Off the off the few that are left in there, you obviously got Barcelona, Seville. Oh, you I understand, really mate. Sorry, just yeah. <laughs> um, my my two I picked out for me is still Barcelona. Um, I'd love a trip to Barcelona. I think that'd be a great uh, away day trip, and also nice to see the new camp. And the second one on my list was Union Berlin. I think Berlin would be a great um, trip for the fans to go to, and also Union Berlin are in quite a good form. I think it'd be a good game. Um, nice to see different teams doing well in the Bundesliga. I think it's another another ground that would be nice to tick off while they're in a good I'll, bit I'll be absolutely gutted if it's Union Berlin, to be honest, because when I looked at the list, that's where I thought. And I thought, my daughter lives in Dresden. Fly into Dresden, stay there the night before. Get up to Berlin nice and early. A few drinks with the lads. And then maybe come out via Dresden as well, as well because only about an hour and a half or two hours on the train. So it's a really good... If you do go into... Um, go into... Uh, uh, get to Berlin. The, there are plenty of airports that connect into Berlin, uh, some of the regional ones, which aren't far, and the, and the train system in there is absolutely fantastic. Cool. Guys, go from on, what go I've on heard Frog, about Berlin, Union Berlin is quite a way out of Berlin, I believe. I believe, and there's one, there's one Berlin airport in particular that's quite near to that area if you want to stay near the ground. But having said that, you know. It, we're, we're, we're clutching. The there, there was there, there was Schoenhofer, I think was uh, uh, was the airport that's now closed, and they've now got they've combined uh, the two, and they've got a big new um, Brandon the Brandon something? Airport. Willie this something new... airport. Willie, and oh, no, I'm not taking the P there. It actually, no, 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 no. There, there, there is there is there was two or three regional airports, but I think they've combined them into uh, Schoenhofer and Berlin Central, and now into Brandenburg. Uh, which is the big international hub. Guys, we're going to go. Um, good luck in the draw tomorrow. Hope you get uh, the cheap flights, hotels and everything else. Alex, uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. Uh, limousine waiting oh, right, on, on, on the executive the executive pickup zone for a media personality like yourself. You know? <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. And uh, see you there as well, Dan. Yeah, that'd be good to catch up. And uh, I think I've still got the video of you... Uh... Singing oh. at the end of the Zinchenko song. We'll have to get that up for next week for the next I, day. I, did, did Please I, don't. I, I haven't. Had a, I, I have got it nearby. I'm sure I have. I can. Zinchenko. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even see anything need, out of my eyes. <laughs> you need to get your daily scooter flag. That's what you need to do. Your daily scooter flag. That's what you need because you yeah. have a flag around you. Yeah, that 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 will do. That will do. That, Dan, that's Dan's um, thing. That's Dan's thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. He's copyrighted now. <laughs> yeah, he's copyrighted now. So yeah, Dan, I'll see. I'll, I won't see you Saturday. I'll see you on um, Wednesday. Um, enjoy yourselves, yeah. guys. Trev, uh, I'm sure I'll speak to you probably. Yeah, safe trip, Alex. Twenty minutes, I expect normally. Guide, I'm not yeah, thank you, Trev. You, there'll be another and, uh, time. Enjoy Leicester. Yeah, I'm sure I will. Yeah. One more time, eh?